David Shipley is a cybersecurity expert and CEO of Boceron Security. You've heard him on the Kelly Cutrera show before on 640 Toronto. And David, there's a couple of stories to get through. First of all, uh, the cyber breach at Rideau Hall. That happened uh, late last year. And we're learning now from newly disclosed documents that the um, the breach of the internal computer network at Rideau Hall was uh, described as senior to senior government officials as a sophisticated cyber incident. Uh, we were not told how sophisticated it was. You know, people were wondering, what's up? Um, like, how much do they know? What, what do we know now? So we still don't know uh, what exactly they were after, what uh, what groups may have been behind the attack, or how sophisticated the attack uh, actually was. And, and in our industry, it, it becomes almost right now to throw the sophisticated part of things, but we're also an industry that just witnessed a 16-year-old living in his mom's basement take down one of the biggest security companies on the planet a couple of weeks ago. So, so I have big caveats about exactly how sophisticated this attack was, because we're not even really given the details of it. You know, uh, if it was uh, perpetrated at the start, like most attacks are with a phishing email and unpatched uh, devices inside Rideau Hall, I don't think sophisticated applies. Um, if it was uh, Russia's in intelligence group parked at a Rideau Hall, hacking the Wi-Fi with some unknown exploit, well, that would be interesting. Um, but again, we're, we're given such a lack of information in Canada about these attacks to be able to adequately judge were we just wide open to it or was okay. this actually a clever attack? So let's get on the same page. When they talk about a sophisticated uh, attack, that speaks to who is planning the attack, not who's, uh, you know, like it, not if not a method of attack. It should be both. Like in my view, if if um, if Russia's intelligence group can send a phishing email and sync Rideau Hall, that's not a sophisticated attack. That's a that's an easy uh, easy win for them, um, and we didn't make it hard for them. Um, if a sophisticated attacker uses some previously unknown and incredibly obscure attack that we never even thought coming, that's sophisticated. Um, but that's a bar that I don't think most of these attacks even come close to. Mm-hmm. So what do we what do we learn from this uh, unauthorized access to the internal network at Rideau Hall that happened in December? Well, it's more about what we haven't learned. Um, it, it, you know, we, we, we see that they're talking about providing credit monitoring services to affected employees. Trust me, if it's a sophisticated attack, going back to the start, they didn't really there nick SIN numbers and credit cards from uh, the governor general and the staff. That's not that's not a sophisticated attack when you're going after the, the head of state for a G7 country. Uh, they're after intelligence. This is a spying um, uh, mm. job. So, so what did they steal? What did they learn? What does the governor general potentially have access to or staff know about that a nation state would want to target that office? And I think that's the interesting question that journalists really need to push back to uh, the prime minister and others is like, are we adequately protecting different elements of our government? Um, the governor general's office is one where I wonder, you know, how big is their budget? How well resourced are they? Do they even have a chief information security officer? But we don't even get the basics. It's like, you know, finding out a building burned down, but they didn't even have any fire extinguishers or exits. We'd be outraged. But we have no equivalent level of transparency when it comes to these cyber attacks. But David, if we have transparency when it comes to these cyber attacks, and, you know, could there be an argument for they don't want to alert other people that could attack based on um, what information could be flowing out there that, that somebody may have acquired through that cyber attack? 
it it it, it is the is the most often cited but bogus argument that particularly Why? public sector organizations are using. Well, because simply telling the public that we have an annual cybersecurity plan that's audited that we had failure points in the audit and we've resolved them um, doesn't create any inspiring new vulnerability for an attacker to exploit. Uh, because it's not like they're, they're going to decide, oh, no, they, they, uh, they haven't published their security. That means they're secure. Uh, they're they're going to attack regardless. Hmm. Um, it, it, it's the same argument of saying we can't provide audited financial statements because that might make it easier for people to find ways of committing fraud against the government of Canada. No. Uh, it's what we have an auditor general, but we don't have the equivalent of an auto auditor general um, acting as an officer of parliament, independent of government, to give us that level of assurance and transparency when it comes to cyber. And we do need that. We, we don't need to know exactly what controls from what vendors or, or specifics or any g- gaps, uh, but we do need to know they have a plan that they actually executed against the plan and they didn't sort of not do it because they cheaped out or someone squawked that they didn't want to put a particular awkward security control in place, which is actually buried deep in some of the transparency reports that Mm. they have published. Can we turn our attention to uh, the COVID alert app? Remember when everyone needed to have this app on their phone, it was going to save us from uh, potentially exposing more people to COVID because if you were within 15, um, well, within a certain amount of range from somebody who had found out they were COVID positive, uh, your app would indicate that they had said, of course, I'm COVID positive and you may have been exposed so you could get yourself checked out. Okay, well, that never worked so hotly. Uh, a lot of people found problems with it, but it's still kind of out there. At least uh, a lot of us have deleted it from our phones now. But um, why do we need to shut that app down entirely? Because like our information's still out there, right? Is that being protected? Well, and, and it, it's the it is protected to a certain extent with, with how they engineered it, what information they were collecting, et cetera. But the reality is, part of the buy-in and and Duncan Wiley, a, a Toronto-based uh, technology expert and writer, she she highlighted this really really well recently on Twitter. It was like. Part of the deal for allowing this massive surveillance network, uh, as, as protected as it was, was the government said, and we will remove it the moment we no longer are using it or need it. And the reality is, given that many people can't even get access to PCR tests, which is the, the thing that's required to actually even use the app for you to notify others, um, it's now outlived its purpose and it mm. failed to achieve its lofty goals. So now it's time for them to pull it out of the app store and disable it. Yeah. And what are the odds of that actually happening? Because most of us have forgotten about it. Well, and then that's the that's the key thing. And then this is where it's really important to hold government accountable to say, listen, you said as a as a precondition for launching this app that you have a plan for retiring. it. OK, when What's are you going to enact the plan? What's yeah. the plan? And, and this is where, you know, uh, the federal government took responsibility and said this is a nationwide app. Health Public uh, Health Canada owns it. Well, guess what? It's time to own it. And we should have a press conference this week saying, well, we're we're transitioning to, quote unquote, the new normal. We're not doing PCR tests for everybody anymore. The app is getting removed from your phone at the end of April. That's it. That's as complex as it needs to be. Um, But if they don't do it, then we're allowing um, government to encroach in a way that all of the privacy advocates like Ann Kabukian and others have warned us about for years, that if we are lackadaisical about this, accept this. Um, it's not a good story for us. 
It's interesting because I'm always touching on privacy and I just pulled in, you know, to me, if I hadn't seen this story, it would have been out of of sight, out of mind because I quite literally had deleted it from my phone. Well, and and, and a lot of people have. So um, and it never got massive uptake to begin with. And I think, you know, as we as we look back on the lessons learned from that, how much of that lack of uptake was people just didn't trust it to begin with? How much have we burned the public goodwill around privacy and trust in government to the point where even potentially useful tools like this don't actually um, get the adoption they need to potentially save lives because we have spent that bank account of public trust? And I, you I know, think that is part of the story. I think part of the rest of the, the story as well is this this app didn't work because it was left up to the person who had COVID. And this is when COVID was uh, could really knock you out. Like it was far more severe than it is now. The strain is for the average person because we didn't have vaccines to the same extent. Right. If, if at all, when this app launched, um, people were meant to enter their own information. And I just don't think that that was clear. And I don't think many people were doing that. And it's hard to expect that somebody that does not feel well is going to think, OK, well, I've got a raging headache. I better alert the, you know, people I don't know via my app. It's just not going to happen. It, sh- it just was uh, poorly thought out, unfortunately. It should have been left up to public health. When you have a PCR test positive, somehow you get to update the app, not the poor person that's dealing with their sickness. David, I want to thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. As always, have yourself a good Easter, and we'll talk again soon. You too. Stay safe. Cheers. It's David Shipley uh, from Bostron Security, and he's a cybersecurity expert.